Hello, everybody, and welcome to the interview segment for this week's episode of the Jack Throwful Show. And for this week, I am joined by Abby and Sophie of the Paddock Princesses podcast. Welcome to the show, guys. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us. So great to be here. We're going to get started by talking about the Miami Grand Prix. It was quite an interesting weekend. A lot of action off and on track, really. I think the end race didn't maybe meet up to all the hype. But what did you guys think of it? I thought the weekend was very... um as a whole, played up. I feel like the race didn't meet expectation. I feel like they thought it was going to be very, like, drama-packed, and I feel like it got quite dull in the middle, but once the safety car came out, since then, it was just a lot of action. It got really interesting and kind of woke us up a bit. But um, I feel like the off-track stuff, it was weird. It's not what you're used to seeing in an F1 weekend. No, absolutely not. It was, I think... Yeah, but I don't know. There's a, there's a balance, right? Because there are the sort of the, the purists who would say, like, we don't want any of that celebrities. And then there's the sort of the realistic element of it. Like, everyone gets to be an F1 fan. It's not it's not like your fault. If you're a celebrity, you want to go to the track. You should be allowed to do that. And, you know, F1 is happy to take pretty much anyone's money. We've seen that. But there's a balancing act to it, right? It's, it, it's, it's you don't want it too much. and You don't want it to interrupt the racing. And it feel like it, it, it did a little bit, right? Definitely. It was it was very different to other Grand Prix that we've seen with like loads of celebrities. Obviously Monaco we would have lots of celebrities that and Austin and stuff like that. I think they balance it really well, but I think it was very, very commercial this weekend, yeah. more than eating. It was more about what was happening off track than on track. And it made me uneasy in a way watching it. It was just yeah. it was Sorry, go ahead. very different. I don't know how to take it. Yeah. I think the a lot of questions were asked before before the race weekend, you know, the sort of track design, right, was a big headline. But then it felt like everyone was also a little bit disappointed by that. Like it, it was it looked cool. It was exciting in, in qualifying because it was a bit like Baku where you could have a red flag at any time and you could sort of, you know, any any like quality strategy. It was kind of you just had to get a lap in and cross your fingers. Really, you didn't know if you could get a safe lap in. But the track didn't really meet their expectations either, I think, because of like the, the degradation. Right. People couldn't really overtake offline very well. Yeah, that's what, yeah, the racing itself wasn't what was expected. It was a bit, you like, you'd have a few kind of overtakes and chances and attempts, but as yeah. a whole, it just wasn't what, People again, yeah, what you were expecting. expecting. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, there, yeah, there was a fight, there was, you know, that we got the continued fight for the lead, but it seems like that's, that's almost just going to carry over through every track. You don't really need a high quality track. I mean, we saw with Max and Lewis last year, you know, races like Portugal and Spain, where it seemed like they were particularly, you know, tracks where it's hard to overtake, their title fights still made them interesting and you still got that strategy battle. So you can almost take that for granted in a way where you're going to get that no matter how good the track is, even on a, on a kind of boring one. Yeah, definitely. I also feel like because of that, like last year, the battle between Max and Lewis, people are expecting every race this season now to be so like, entertaining so much action happening and you're like no like there is going to be some races that it's just a one-man race yeah <laughs> literally a one-man race yeah definitely yeah i mean that yeah i suppose that was a little bit australia he kind of ran away with it didn't he Charles? um yeah. and yeah maybe we'll see that in spain what do you think will be the main kind of storylines that carry over from from miami to spain i think it's still going to be the whole battle between Max and Charles, Charles especially yeah. now with the points gap coming down slowly. Yeah. It's going to be like, will Max's momentum continue on? And 
I think it's mainly just going to be that, like those two, and I think a little bit of Mercedes as well. Yeah. Like, will they get? And George and Lewis and how that ended. And... Yeah. Because Lewis has got very unlucky, especially coming like against George. I feel yeah. like safety cars have really helped George a lot. Definitely. So I feel like those two will be the biggest topics talked about. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and, and sorry, all, go ahead. No, that'll probably be all season long. I would say I wouldn't even say that's just for this half. Yeah, so that there's a few, I guess there's a few unique things about Spain. I was trying to look back to like last season. Um, one race that stood out to me as being kind of people had quite low expectations before it, and it turned out really cool was uh, France, where yeah. there was a really like everyone was going into it like, well, this track has kind of sucked before. We don't really like we don't expect good racing here. Um, and there's a similar attitude towards Spain. It, it used to be because they would do a lot of testing there and everyone kind of came in with very well-prepared cars and there wasn't so much uncertainty going into it. But I feel like with the way the way these cars behave on track now, how good they are at close racing, even even in Miami, you know, we saw the cars are quite happy to be eight tenths of a second behind as opposed to like one point, you know, four seconds behind where the, it is a little bit more exciting when they're a bit closer. If that carries over to Spain, then the midfield battle could get pretty exciting too, right? Beyond just the, the front two. Yeah. I think though because they can race so close together that we're seeing a lot of like DRS trends and that can kind of like it's interesting like you like seeing them close together but when there's four cars just stuck in a DRS train for like for six seven laps you kind of like right come on like something else yeah so I don't know with Spain I kind of have the same thought process that I did last year going into it like you're not I'm not expecting much but I do hope it turns out well yeah so it, it's a yeah it's kind of a reverse of i don't know it has the opportunity to reverse miami right because miami expectations are so high the race was it, it failed I, I don't know it, it's wrong to say it failed because i know like statistics wise for viewership it was great everyone like, it was the most watched uh like live sporting event in america that day which is a hugely competitive market you know but in terms of like how many fans it's going to kind of convert to the rest of the season when they're all going to get you know invested in formula one properly it can be hard to see you know like how many people that watch their first ever formula one race at miami are then now going to watch spain and be like oh well this is just a bit i don't know a bit underwhelming right yeah yeah but i don't know i hope it it surprises us that's what i hope i hope it is action-packed in a way like i yeah. hope we do see a lot but then again if it is boring and all like what you expect not every race is gonna, gonna be, be yeah, yeah. Exactly. i'm still gonna have to find something to talk about so i'm, I'm hoping there'll be there'll be something interesting going on but a big talking sorry go ahead no, i'm just saying there definitely will even if it's not on track we'll find something off track to talk about yeah that's true though it could be the press conference where we've had where we have the most action helmet marco will say something to get himself in trouble yeah <laughs> Um, a big thing that happens with Spain, I think everyone looks because Spain and Monaco are always right next to each other in the calendar. Everyone takes the the like third sector of Spain. It's very slow speed, very high downforce kind of dependent. Everyone takes that over then to Monaco. Like whoever's best in the third sector in Spain will carry over to Monaco. So I think that's like I don't know that journalists, all the all the pundits always say that's like how they practice for Monaco is almost that time in the the Spanish like uh, third sector of the track. Because it's just sort of a wiggly like chicane bit, and everyone thinks if they're good through there, they'll be good through all the corners in Monaco because it's like the most most similar thing. I'm just trying to think who, I guess the with 
the track dynamics of Monaco, we probably won't see as much like porpoising from Mercedes. So it could be because it's less like high speed. I don't know. It could be an opportunity for them, right? Where it does, it even even with Monaco, it still feels like it comes a little bit more down to the driver. So it could be the first chance for Lewis to really, I don't know, to really stake his claim in the world championship. What do you think about, you know, beyond Spain, Monaco next? I don't know about Mercedes. They struggled last year. Well, I know Lewis did, so I don't... It's true, that's true. I don't know. I'm not expecting much from them, but I want to see Charles. Like, I want to see Charles win. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's owed he, it, isn't he? I want to see Charles finish the race, first, first of all. <laughs> but I've uh, seen him win his homers. I want to see yeah. it. Yeah. I feel like he deserves <laughs> after everything. And another Russell podium would be nice as well. Yes. I would like another George Russell podium in Monaco. That'd be great. It would be impressive. I think it would be one of the ones, you know, it would probably mean more for him to win at Monaco in that in, in that first year at Mercedes, first chance to show it at Monaco, even as F1 tries to create all this new hype at new Grand Prix, Monaco remains the top of the top of the list, probably, right? Yeah, hundred percent. It's the crown jewel of F one. It always will be as well. Abby's favourite. I love Monaco, Monaco's my favourite. I heard it came up in the research. So where does it? So it sits above even the other street tracks like Baku or, or um, I guess Singapore is quite a favourite one. Monaco's the king. Yeah, I think as a whole, track wise, I love Baku, but Monaco as a whole, I love, I love it. But no, is that for the, the same <laughs> elements as uh, what you know the downsides of Miami are almost the upsides of Monaco, just because of the history? It's kind of a weird. But, it, you know, like, it, there's not really like a conflict there, but it, it's it's a weird thing where it's like when you have the history to kind of justify celebrating Monaco so much, whereas it feel, feels a bit more forced in Miami. That's Yeah, I feel like you don't need to do as much for Monaco. Like you don't need yeah. to do it up or it is what it is. Basically. Yeah, people like, love it for what it is because yeah. it's so classic. People do love it. Whereas when they commercialize something that's new, people are kind of standoffish with it in a way. It's because would, it's, sorry, go ahead. I've seen it before. Yeah. You don't know what to think in a way. Yeah. It's kind of like it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I think for for um for Zhou Guan Yu as well, he's the only rookie we have this year. It's gonna be his first time driving around Monaco in a in a Formula One car. It's an opportunity for him. You know, we've seen it's kind of hard to stay focused on on that midfield battle really, but in inside that team, the dynamic of, of Bottas being there. Probably, you know, as 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 much of a, a teacher as anyone in the paddock, and as much as like a role model for Joe, it's not really like they're expected to be a competitive pairing. But it could be an opportunity for him for for the young drivers. Maybe you know, like George is, might be looking to to stake his his claim in, in the team with a podium there. Um, for Joe, it's another opportunity, I guess, and it's another one that more eyes will be on Monaco than the rest of the season. I also feel like Bottas is doing so well with that team so like it is a good kind of marker to compare himself to i feel like so i don't want to see i'm intrigued to see how he gets on i think the the comparison i don't know i think maybe there's a comparison to be made between the Haas driver pairing and the alfa romeo driver pairing right definitely yeah definitely in the way that the they're kind of i don't know people i think mick schumacher has got kind of too many He's been let off too many times now, in my opinion. Like, I don't know if if any other driver had made this. Like, obviously he had a big accident at Monaco last year, so it's it could be time for him to come back and and do well there. Talk about the history of that. I mean, the Schumacher name, you know, back in the points at Monaco would be 
pretty outstanding. Um, but it's force points would be as yeah. well. That would be huge. It would be. It would be, and and I don't know the the, the narrative that he hasn't got is you know everyone's celebrated whenever his first points may come, but the fact that he hasn't got them yet, I don't know. It's a bit like the Russell situation before he got his Williams points, and then he he got them and they weren't you know it was a bit iffy there still. Yeah, I don't know. I do think Mick is a great driver. I really do, and I think he has a lot of pressure on him. Even if outside pressure wasn't a thing, he would have it on himself. And I think yeah. that yeah. might be playing into it. But when you put any driver up beside Kevin Mason, it's you're not gonna look the best. Do you know what I mean? So. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think there's a reason that Haas let Kevin Magnussen go in a, in a way. Like he's he's come back in and he's been extremely strong, but. I don't know he got um, who was it? Was it Stroll at Miami? He was kind of banging wheels with a lot, and and they had they had an incident. So I don't know. I guess they somehow you need to stay out of trouble when you're in the back half of the grid, and it seems like that's the hardest place to do it when everyone's fighting for those. It's like the the sort of fifth to tenth are almost harder points to get because everyone is so desperate for them. The win is is going to be the hardest thing, of course, but when you're in the right team, it can be. The, you know, the path to victory there might be more clear than, than if you're in a Haas when you've, you're fighting against so many other teams that are like pretty much equal on performance now. I feel like one thing we've seen this season to quite a large extent is just the the margins in qualifying, just between the top and the bottom and then even between the midfield teams. It's just smaller now. It's just more, I don't know, I think F1's done a really good job at, at the driver class they've got at the moment and the, the way they've moved the rules to be more like more competitive. I think they've done overall a pretty good job and and hopefully throughout Spain and Monaco, we'll, uh, we'll see the best of that. I wanted to touch on next, your guys' show, and what brought you to start that show. What was the kind of the inspiration for it? What's the story behind the Paddock Princess podcast? Well, it was Abby's idea. I think you put up, I think she just put up an, like, was it a story or yeah, something? Yeah, story on Instagram. Yeah. She was just talking about it. She's like, oh, I'd love to do, like, a podcast. And I just swiped up on it. I was like, oh, I, I'd do it. Well, we weren't even friends that long. Yeah, we, we had only met each other a few months before. Like, Oh, really? I, oh, wow. Yeah, like, I just said it, like, oh, I'm down, like, I'll do it. Not thinking much of it, I was like, oh, this is all talk. And then we went out for drinks one night. Yeah, and it just came up, and she was like, oh, yeah, like, I have a name. I have, like, all these ideas, and I was like, okay, let's do let's it. Let's do it. And then, yeah. So we did, because we, yeah, we, so we always had so much to talk about as well. We found ourselves just, like, the hours were just flying by when we were with each other because we only know each other less than a year and yeah she's we're already like the bestest friends we've ever had and we just constantly have stuff to keep talking about so we said we need somebody else to hear this because we find ourselves funny so I don't even wait absolutely the, the people need to hear the uh, the, anal- the analysis so what was the first episode like how did you how did you approach like filming that were you nervous on, on the microphone what was the what was the prep like Oh, it was. It took us a while. We were prepping for a while since before Christmas. We were trying to get it up and running, and then the first we did one, <laughs> we did one run and literally just deleted it within like yeah. forty seconds after recording it. We were like, no, get rid of it now. <laughs> and we thought it was so well. Like yeah. we like filmed it when, when it like we like finished it, like ended it. We sat hugging. And we were like, oh my god, yay, we done it. We went back to Jorge's listen to it and we're like no that's getting deleted <laughs> it was so bad <laughs> we can't listen to well, it even now like the episode that's out on Spotify now the first one we will not listen no. back to that I made everybody else listen to it and we were like you proof listen to that we are not even touching it you could not pay me to I don't know I can't 
it was awkward because it was a get to know us, but the questions we were asking each other, we already, we already knew. knew the answers to. So right, it yeah. felt forced in a way. Like I was answering your questions. <laughs> I was asking her <laughs> questions. Like, oh, who's your favourite driver? driver? And I'm answering her. I was like, oh yeah, it's this group. Like, yeah. <laughs> it was just, it was a weird, it was awkward. It was very forced. Yeah. But then I feel like after that, we kind of got more Yeah, we were comfortable. We try and refrain from talking about race weekends with each other until we're actually sat in front of mics. So it's right. Not. Yeah. And and were there other podcasts that kind of inspired you? Abby, you said you were the one that first had the idea. Do you listen to other F1 podcasts that kind of gave you any gave you the idea to start one, or was it purely the people deserve to hear your thoughts? And <laughs> and you know you've got the you've got the banter to the the relationship to to make a really engaging show. Not even necessarily F1 podcasts. Just you know podcasts of just two girls sitting chatting, and that's just what we sure. do. We just sit and waffle for hours on end. And I just thought if they can do it, why can't we? <laughs> Uh, that's pretty much what I thought too, to be fair, starting this. It, it, I think I had a similar thing. I mean, I know um, my, I deleted my first episode too. I thought it was crap because I, I, you know, I um, had to come in and because I do, I just do the show on my own and then do the interviews. It was really weird for me to kind of get started, just sit in front of a mic and just start talking and, and to come up with stuff. But it feels so much more like, well, hopefully it feels more natural now. Um do you feel like you've, even just in the short time you've been doing your show, you've got better, you've got more confident and, and more kind of clear in the hosting? Yeah, definitely. 100%. If you even listen to the first episode and the fourth one, it's we sound so rigid in the first one. And then once we get into it, you can you can feel it flow more in a way. Even like the second one when we done it, we done it so late as well, like yeah. during the night. So we were like giddy and overtired. And I remember like finishing recording it. I was like, that that was funny. I like that one. That's still my favorite episode now to this. And day. I think because of that, I felt so much more comfortable then. Yeah. I was like, that was just so easy, and it was fun, and I enjoyed it. I wasn't overthinking everything I was saying, or I was like, oh no, I need to cut that out. Or yeah, it was just it just flowed. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I that kind of helped me out down with the following. Yeah, two. How many have we done? Two, four. I don't know. <laughs> the rest of them then. And do you have you know a, a kind of plan for the, for the rest of it or is it just going to see how it goes and and i heard you talk about i think it was in the fourth episode there is a plan to get some guests on and trying to kind of expand further the show and and really make it as big as it can be right yeah definitely we have we have a few plans yeah i think the main thing we do want to start looking at guests and then i think we're planning we've been meeting on the weekend where we're trying to look for like plan it, it basically what you just said there what we where we want to go with it so we're trying yeah. to kind of decide now. At first, it was just for fun. Yeah, where it takes us. And now we're like, right, seriously, like, what do we want to come from it, basically? And we want to grow our social medias as well. We're not doing great on them right now. We're slacking. <laughs> we're slacking on them ones. Oh, you're, you're destroying me. I mean, if, if you're slacking, then I'm in big trouble. <laughs> but I wanted to ask, like, when, obviously, when you guys are talking about racing, what is it? that draws you to, to be a motorsport fan because i think that's what really people connect to in podcasts like where the the originality comes from obviously everyone's different everyone has a different story with how they connect to it and and the things that stand out most to them and i think it can be it can be easy sometimes for me at least personally to kind of lose lose your own voice and really kind of talk about what you actually find interesting about it as opposed to just what well, i don't know people on twitter people on tiktok people on even just like the sky pundits whatever they're on about it can be kind of hard to differentiate between what opinions are actually your own 
and what opinions are just other people's you're reading but what is it when when you kind of reflect back on what you like about motorsport that really draws you in and, and keeps you watching every week it's a tough question you can there's no there's no yeah, time I mean, limit i've never been asked that before i don't like i wouldn't say i don't read like i wouldn't be one for twitter around like that or like i'd be on tiktok but i wouldn't pay attention to other people's opinions on it so i'm not like i wouldn't be swayed sure. so all my opinions are my own but i don't know i just i, why I, am I, I don't know i fell into formula one yeah. by accident i just found myself so like, did i it was just on the telly one day and i found myself just brainwashed by it and then never missed a grand prix after that then so i don't know i like it i like the word <laughs> i like the drama i like i like really close racing i like really dramatic close racing that's that's why Miami wasn't my favorite. But I absolutely love fair enough. Close race. I think I'm similar. Yeah, you like, and then I mean the off-track drama helps as well. That I was <laughs> gonna say like a mix of both. You get to know who they are as people as well. So you like seeing when some people do well, yeah. and then when they don't do well, you feel it as well. And you're like, oh, like I wish yeah. they got those points, or I wish they didn't crash. Like you get so emotionally absolutely like, invested. Yeah, and I like how once they're out of the cars they're friends like there's no there's no some malice hatred well yeah so yeah there's not a lot of malice in the paddock like it's it, it is very no, that's not, that's i think it can be hard sometimes you, you feel like the drivers even i guess last season stands out we're going to talk about your experience at the end of last season soon but last season it did feel like the drivers were heavily invested emotionally even beyond Max and Lewis, it I don't know, it felt obviously Bottas and, and Perez massively, massively invested. And then the way that, I don't know, it was a big shift, really, that the, the team principals were like characters. Now, they were like, you know, movie villains. You know, they were both, I think, equally irritating and, and annoying, in my opinion. But I don't know, it, it was a weird shift where the title battle was so close and intense. And, you know, it's a fact about how high the stakes are, even just money wise, who, you know, what they're fighting over is a real prize and a really significant thing. So you can understand why they got so emotionally invested in it. But I guess there are downsides to that as well, right? It was like a Hollywood film. Like, yeah. that's what I was like watching. It was like watching a film. It was mm. just felt very, like, dramatized. And, like, even people down the paddock, they were always getting asked, oh, who do you want to win, Lewis yeah. or Max? And you felt like people were taking sides in a way. And then if it wasn't drama on track, it was off track. And then people, especially, like, the Lewis and Max fans were so split. And it was like, you were afraid to say it because someone was coming at you then. Like, no, that's wrong. Like, it, oh, it was so weird. My, but, my TikTok comments are, like, oh, exam prime examples of Lewis and Max fans battling head-to-head. Yeah, just people. I mean, on some level, I think that's just people want. No one wants to like sit on the fence. It's a lot more fun to take a side when you've got something to fight for. I guess you. I don't know, and it probably helps your TikTok stats. You get people fighting, going back and forth in the comments, pump up the views. I used to just sit laughing at them all. It's the, it's the best. But the minute you give an opinion, it's, oh, you get attacked. You're gone. I try not to. I try to stand back, even oh, though people see. people know how I feel. So I'm like, you just fight it. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite. You try kind of stand back and like, oh, like you're a in middle it. ground. Yeah, <laughs> I'm in it. it. I'm like, no, I'm right. You're wrong. <laughs> so, so what are the uh, what are the opinions that get you in trouble then, or the ones that you I don't know, the ones that you uh, actively promote to to rustle some people in the comments? I don't know. It was mainly like last year, like the fact that 
we were Wax fans, really. Yeah, basically, like, if there was a oh, crack... Oh, that's it? That's the whole thing? Yeah, yeah no, like, really. Right. It's actually when Fair they I'm very, like, no, like, some Silverstone, I was so angry at that. Like, I hoard, like, that was emotional pain. Yeah. And I remember I just went on a mad when I was like, no, I won't talk to anyone. I was like, if you even, like, mention Lewis's name, don't speak to me. <laughs> It was. It took me what about a week to oh, calm down. Yeah. It was so. But like, anyone because they seen the effect it had on me, they were gone. They were like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. Like Max was this. I was like, no, step aside, leave me alone, let me calm down. <laughs> and until I did my first TikTok that I actually spoken, a lot of people thought I was British, mm. and so they were commenting right. saying, "How is she British and doesn't like Lewis Hamilton?" And I was like. No, I'm Irish, so I'm kind of we're kind of neutral in it. We yeah. don't have to we don't have to take anybody's side, but I'm definitely Team Max, so just and it, it, it's anti-British. If you're gonna pick a side, you know it's quite easy. I don't know, I don't want to <laughs> ruffle any feathers, but as as you know, there's, there's some history there. But um, I wanted to talk about Silverstone actually. You mentioned there, I was at Silverstone in 2021, and and it was weird after they crashed because people literally cheered. Like in I, I was a I was on the um, so I couldn't see. It. I was on the um, the chicane right at the end, so I was just watching it on kind of the TV. Didn't even see Max Verstappen come round on race day because they crashed out halfway round. So I, really, I should be like sparring and ask for my money back. But um, I, it was it was weird because I don't know. I wasn't. I don't know. I was trying to stay stay neutral, not uh, not getting anyone's nerves. But the crowd was mostly Lewis Hamilton fans, and yeah, you saw people being like, "Hey, you know, that's what that's what he gets." And it's like, well, that's not really. It's well, not really fair. Yeah, yeah, that's what riled me up. Like they could see, like you're obviously a driver. You like crash, so you're annoyed. Well, crashes happen. But yeah, it was the reaction to the crash afterwards that oh. I think annoyed most of the Max fans. And then it seemed that you were like annoyed over, so they just kept going and yeah. like, kept going, like trying yeah. to push it. And you're like, no, <laughs> it all. It was a tough week. <laughs> it was. And it seems like you know we spoke earlier about the the parts of the sport that we like. You talk to you know anyone, all the interviews I've done through this show, you know that's the part of the sport that it seems like no one really likes. But then it's also a very very vocal part of the sport. And if anyone you know if, if someone's a new new fan this weekend, you can imagine Abby like when you watch your first Tormodorum race, that happens every weekend. Someone might be a new fan every weekend, and then they join whatever part of the F1 you know online community they want to find. And it's not always as fun as it could be, right? Yeah, exactly. People try to gatekeep it. Oh, oh, that's oh. the scary part is when people are like, you only do this because of this. It's like, well, no. You comment whatever. You think whatever you want to think. They assume things. like They're like, oh, you just watch it because of the drivers of DTS. You're, you don't know what you're talking about. Like, yeah. I you don't know me. You don't know why I like these things. I refrain from talking about Lando Norris in like all of my TikToks because as soon as his name is brought up, everyone just instantly runs to the comments and says, DTS fan, you're only there for the drivers. Annie, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Any young driver you mention, yeah. well, yeah, it's it doesn't such help. A... Doesn't help that we're girls, and we also didn't help ourselves by calling ourselves part of princesses. But we did it. That's no, so a good there. name. It's a good name. I wanted to touch on so beating around the bush a little bit with Silverstone. At the end of the 2021 season, you guys were at Silverstone. You were watching the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix at. Is it? It's like a cinema they have at Silverstone, right? Or sort of like a, a cinema room? Or, or what? What was the? Well, what was the experience of that like? How do you reflect back on it now and and compared to in the moment? I, I want to know everything. So, what was it like watching Abu Dhabi twenty twenty one behind enemy lines at the Silverstone circuit? You can start. 
it was a great day first of all it was amazing we went over and back in the one day and really well we actually didn't realize when we booked it that it was on the date that Abu Dhabi was and then we realized like a month or two before maybe yeah like it wasn't planned at all and we really we panicked because we didn't think we thought we're gonna have to miss it or watch it on our phones and then when we got there and there was the big screen and we seen like a sea of Mercedes t-shirts and we were like oh we better just hang at the back here and just chill we got lucky though because we walked in like Ida McLaren jumper on so so everyone at force was kind of neutral but once that race started started. we found the one other Max fan in the whole place and it was the security guard legend and did you yeah did you feel like I don't know we we spoke about the kind of F1 fanship the way it plays out in in the comments do you feel that in the room quite significantly, the, the divide between you guys, the security guard, everyone else over here? <laughs> yeah, I didn't help. We were right in the corner as well. So it was yeah. like everyone to like the right of us was just Mercedes fans. And then there's just us on a little table in the corner in the yeah, back. Literally. And I think we made it so obvious as well. Like after the force. We couldn't help it. <laughs> like we were just, oh, I cried about four times during yeah. that race just from like emotion. Mm-hmm. And I think we just screamed and every time like like I'd be screaming like Max or something would come out and the looks they just turn back at you and look at you and you're just oh I didn't care like we didn't care at all it, it got it took like half a lap for us to like forget that they were even in the room and it was just like we were sitting at home watching it and we like we just didn't care about anybody else it was only at the end then when he won we were all like cheering and celebrating and everyone just looked Looking like he got up and walked away <laughs> the place like cleared Clearly. out at least three quarters of the people just up and left instantly the minute that the race was over and it was funny because i wanted to leave like 10 laps from the end i was like to abby i'm not i am not sitting here watching all this celebrate and i was I like no i was like no he's gonna do it he's gonna do it and she was like no abby he's not i'm sorry but he's not i'm so pessimistic and i did I'm not so believe optimistic. It. we are the complete polar opposites in them situations but he did it in the end i was so happy you convinced me to stay I know, I left. you would have been leaving on your own because i was not going anywhere and then we went ice skating after it. So everyone in the ice rink all had Mercedes tops on and we had air <laughs> We were like cheering Max just up and singing Super Max, Super Max going around in the laps. It was great. I'm surprised they didn't kick us out. Oh, it was so <laughs> funny. I mean, that yeah, that sounds like a pretty intense day. Um, I don't know. How do you reflect back on that now? I don't know. It seems the the motivation at the moment, I guess, if everyone, you know, it's, it's just move on. It was a weird race, but it happened the way it happened. And I don't know, the FIA investigated themselves and found they didn't do anything wrong and, and now they, they just want to move on getting well i don't know the seems like the race direction this year there hasn't really been any i don't know everyone's really happy to move on from it right and i guess it's a good thing apart from the people on twitter and in the tiktok comments who it seems like we'll never forget um and it, i guess it's up to them to have their own opinions but they're quite annoying and whingy about it yeah we all, I always say, I, when someone asks me about it, I always say, I think Lewis deserved that race, but Max deserved the season. And that's kind of how I buffer anybody else's opinion off mine. Yeah, yeah. Political it's, answer. It's a new season. It's a new start. The cars are different. The drivers are different, as you can we can see by the scoreboard now. It's very different than last year. And I think we can move on, but the FIA definitely do need to get their act together. And I, I, I had a thought there when you were saying about how you know the F1 Mercedes fans are giving you all the all the side eye in the uh, Silverstone room. F1 fans, I don't know. It does seem like they are different to like other kinds of sports fans. Like they're not, I don't know, they're not out there singing songs quite like the football fans are, or you know having big fights 
well, you know, actual fights like football or, or even maybe rugby fans. But if it, you can feel like that, that mentality of, of pick a side, pick a driver and, you know, whoever your driver may get themselves into a scrap with that week is your, your responsibility then to go online and, and defend them all. It's a bit of a weird path. And I don't know really if it's for the good of the sport so much that, you know, cause you lose an element of, of realism there. And with formula one, it's just not, it's just not the same as other sports, but I guess people are always going to reduce it to the thing they find the most interesting. And whether that is just going to be their favorite driver for whatever reason, there's an appeal to just emphasize that aspect of it. Do you think that that is the direction F1's going as, as it moves with like Miami, with the way it's shifting all this, like incorporating online content, that sort of thing. Are we going to see F1 fans become more like uh, other sports fans? And, and is that a good thing? I don't know. I think because it's not like just a team sport, it, you can support a driver, but not necessarily support the team. team that they drive for. So I think there'll always be, obviously, the Mercedes fans, the Red Bull fans, the Max fans, those fans, the whatever. But everybody loves Sebastian Vettel. You can't not love Sebastian Vettel. Everyone loves Daniel Ricciardo. You can't not love Daniel Ricciardo. So you can, you can kind of have the best of both worlds in a way I think I think as a collective we have people that we really love in the sport and we also have people that we really don't love in the sport and then people can also have their side so I think there'll be always something to connect the fans with each other it's also I because I'd be like a football fan and an F1 fan it's so different like if yeah. you're a football fan it's that team and that's it regardless who plays for you it doesn't matter if that team wins like that's what I don't get about football I don't understand that. <laughs> it's like that team is your ride or die. There's no, you cannot support any other team. It's like you're like betraying them. You can't do it. And it, like once say like a player leaves, that's it. You're done. Like you don't like them anymore. Whereas, yeah. and it's very aggressive. They're very like they make it public. Like if they are say like I'd be a Liverpool fan, it's very known. Known, yeah. Mm-hmm. Whereas with F1, I feel like. Like we, when we were in watching Abu Dhabi, it's kind of, they just kind of look at you. It's kind of like on the inside a bit more. It's kind of just a little dirty looks. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. agree with that. Yeah. And like you said, it's so different because, again, you could support the team, but also support different drivers yeah. along the road as well. It's not, I don't yeah. know, it's not as big of like a betrayal if you like someone from a different team. Yeah. It's you like the individual person and a team separate. Yeah, I'll always say Max is my favourite driver, Max and Alex and Daniel. But then I'll always say McLaren are my favourite team. I think I'll support McLaren no matter who their drivers were. And I'd support Max no matter what team he was with, if that makes sense. I'm in a tricky one. I like Max and I like Charles. So I'm in such a sticky sticky situation. situation. (laughs) It's all. And it's so because I'd say like if Charles won, I'd be happy. I'd be like, yes, like I post it. I'd celebrate it, but then people in the comments would be like, Glory Tot- Hunter. Yeah, they're like, Tottenham or Max fan. I'm like, but I am. It, yeah. it, it, is, it is a tricky one. It's a different, I think it's so. It's still different to other sports. It might get that way eventually with the more fans coming in, but yeah. I Especially still Especially from Drive to Survive and stuff like that and how dramatic that has yeah. been. I still think there is a big difference though yeah. between F1 and other sports at the minute though. Absolutely. And, and what is it about Verstappen then that why why is he the driver that stands out to you obviously no one can argue with his his quality the age that he came into the sport and the impact that he had almost immediately not all of it was positive but I think the the headline was just it was fascinating that this guy youngest ever driver in Formula One youngest ever race winner 
it's just an incredible achievement that he was making an impact there from such a young age. And it's weird, you know, to think now him and George Russell are, are the same age, right? I mean, it, but if the they're both 24, but it seems like the way their Formula One journeys have been so different and, and Russell was almost just leaving that kind of protection of being somewhat of an inexperienced young driver, whereas Verstappen got, I don't know, I guess like 2016 really was when he moved up to that Red Bull seat and everyone kind of was like, right, it's, it's time to perform. What is it about the way Max carries himself on track, his racing style that you find so exciting? I think he catches your attention straight yeah. away. Like it's hard not to notice him. I think he knows where the line is and just, and knows when to do it and when not to do it. And I think he, I just, I just like him. Yeah. And I like even off track, he's just like, so blunt. I love, I love how blunt he is in interviews. He doesn't try and play up to the cameras. He it reminds me of Kimmy. It's kind of, you yeah, get, you get what you're given. Mm. And that's, there's that. no like, yeah. I don't know. He's not there for like, oh, look, I'm like this big F1 yeah. driver. Like, no, it's me. He's just, I'm here. I race. I do what I want down the track. And that's kind of it. And yeah, as, like you said, his achievements and stuff like that, he's hard not to notice. Yeah. That's it. Like, and when you watch a race, you're... You can't not watch him. Yeah. Like, you look for Max straight away. Yeah. Like, oh, where is he? And if he's not like, if he's in front, you're like, okay, like... How's he going to go? Else, you're like, why? What That's, happened? Yeah, and if he doesn't, like, say he had a bad qualifying or something, he's down and, like, even, like, fifth, you're like, oh, my God, why? What happened? Something, something has had to happen for him to not be leading. Yeah, yeah, it's just, he's always just there. You can't not yeah. notice him. And then the more you kind of watch him, you root for him as well. Yeah. And do you think that the, the teammate dynamic they've got at the moment, you know, it's a very positive one where both drivers are pretty pretty happy to play their role ultimately i'm sure checo does want to be winning but he has to understand you know that it's a, it's a zero-sum sport there's only going to be one winner at every race and you can't always you know everyone can't be everyone can't finish a race happy but we know from the way verstappen and, and daniel ricardo the way that well the way it played out primarily in 2018 but also before that when they were teammates when he's challenged by his teammate it's not always the best thing for his mentality and his performance so um, but yeah, I don't know. You need a certain element of that to push to push him at all, though, because it could be easily possible that he gets too comfortable. Um, do you think that Red Bull, you know, are pretty happy with the, their driver pairing at the moment? They they were shutting down rumors a couple of weeks ago about them kind of searching for other options and stuff. Do you think, yeah, that that's um, you know, the path forward for them is to go with the Mercedes model in a way where you have a pretty clear first and second driver. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would say so. But also, I love Checo. I would love to see them let, like, Checo race some of it, just because I like Checo. But I feel like the dynamic they have now, it's kind of like keeping everyone happy in a way. And I feel like Checo's just happy to sit there, like, the one two that he got. I say he was delighted. He was like, yeah, even though he only came second, or at least I'm my teammate came forced. Yeah. Whereas I think if it was the opposite way around and say Checo won Max didn't, there'd be a bit, not everyone would be as happy. Happy with that. Yeah, no. Whereas oh, I would love, I, I would love <laughs> them to let Checo race. So I would. But it's, I, it's, a, it's a huge, sorry, it's, it's a huge element behind how Mercedes were able to dominate the Constructors' Championship for so long is that they were very happy to have two drivers play a role there and, you know, not have them take wins off each other and not have them get into scraps even if you know they were just distracted by the teammate dynamic in in the garage and they weren't allowing themselves to kind of fully focus on racing because they were kind of wrapped up in 
the element of, of the off-track drama in the sport that can be quite negative. Do you think that we look to Carlos Sainz next, obviously, as, as kind of the other important driver who's going to play a big role in this year's Constructors' Championship? I don't know. How do you, how do you like, if, if you're him at the moment, he's just got to start putting podiums in, right? Making Charles nervous. I feel like that's what he wanted to do from the start. He just yeah lucky, I guess. I don't yeah, know. He just sense. yeah. He's had a bad streak so far this year. I feel like he will get back on it though. Like definitely. I definitely it's think it's not there, gonna last long. There will be times I feel like during the season where he will come out on top of Charles. I think. Yeah. I don't know. The dynamic is just different. Like I feel like Ferrari are still saying at the minute it's the boat are on equal like footing, even though I don't believe it. Fair. <laughs> But whereas, like, somewhere like Red Bull, they made it very obvious when you, before they even got Checo, we are looking for a second driver. Yeah. They made it obvious. Whereas, I feel like if Charles keeps up the way he is, and with signs as well, they will start saying that dynamic change. It will be Charles is number one, you are number two. Help him out, help us out with the constructors. And if you were to, to think about, uh, you know, a driver. So you, you said you were a um, McLaren fan. Do you think that their driver pairing is it, is where it needs to be? No, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not loving McLaren as of right now. I love the team as a whole. I will always love them, but I don't know. I think I think there needs to be some change. Daniel's struggling. He's struggling. I think I think there needs to be a lot of, a lot more focus put on Daniel because I think I feel like they are really focusing in Orlando because obviously he has got the long contract with them and he's a lot younger than Daniel is and he's doing a lot better but I think I just think they need to be a little bit more invested in Daniel and I saw on F on Twitter that they think that as well <laughs> the other day but I don't know it could change this year like last year we saw the McLaren win was Daniel's win in the end and Lando came second and I don't know I just think I think that definitely, yeah, it definitely got under Lando's skin quite a lot that he didn't win that race, you know. So, but then at the moment, he, I, I don't know, it seemed like the the little bit of of kind of interesting stuff that was in Drive to Survive season four, to me was that you know the the kind of insider details of like what the drivers really think of of their teammates because they almost know that it's going to come out at the end of the season, so they can sort of get away with, I don't know, being a bit more honest in, in the interviews. It seems like even if Netflix will, you know, rinse it to the last drop of, of whatever bit of drama they can get out of it, there is some elements of truth there. And it did seem like the driver pairing at McLaren wasn't as, well, it wasn't as like sort of friendly as everyone was expecting at first. And then you can see that carrying over this season. I think even now, you know, everyone's at the moment rating Lando above Daniel. And Daniel's got whatever it is, eight, nine race wins. But he's just currently like not in form. And I think week to week form is, is huge in formula one. There's a reason we're talking about Max and Charles this week. It's because of, of the way the season's played out and how important they've been in the races so far. And there's a reason Daniel Ricciardo at the moment isn't a part of that conversation because he's finishing out of the points more often than not or crashing into Carlos Sainz. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to, yeah, it, it's, it's hard. I guess, I guess we could, we could go through and kind of say similar things about most of the, the older drivers in the paddock, I guess it's kind of Vettel and, and Alonso. It seems to me like Alonso really is at least outperforming Vettel. If you, I think if you were to kind of, yeah. their like relative performance, those are two drivers that are effectively from the same, well, 
Alonso's older significantly. He's been in Formula One for I think seven more years than than Vettel. But in terms of being superstar world champions when they were both very young, and then now being the sort of old dogs of, of the paddock, you can compare their performances quite a lot. And I think yeah, I think Alonso's got him. I don't know. What what do you think about about the older drivers in the paddock? Kimi left last year, and and he was a big part of that conversation. But now it's it's really just those two, and Lewis, I guess. Alonso, you know, like performance wise you're noticing him a lot more. He's yeah. putting in, like, there's some races where he's doing so well at qualifying and timing-wise, whereas Vettel, I feel like he's just kind of in no man's land at the minute. He's just, he'd have a bad... He's, on, he's on TV tonight. He's on um, on British telly tonight on some, like, political uh, question time show, so we'll see how that goes. I, know, I think it's part some part of his, like, messaging. He's on, he's gone on telly and he's going to be asked about, I don't know, whatever the British press can come up with to ask him about, but... It, it doesn't really seem like the big part of his conversation is going to be on track at the moment. It, it's, you know, it's completely fair enough that he's he's using his platform for this activism and to raise awareness about stuff he cares about. Um, but you should be talking about that alongside his racing success, and, and we're not at the moment. I think Alonso still, you still get the feeling that he's still very much in it. Like, he's determined. He wants, he's still hungry, yeah. Whereas Vettel, I feel like, I don't know, I don't think it'll be long before... Unfortunately, yeah. yeah before he retires, he's just—he doesn't seem like he's on the same level as Alonso when it comes to racing and what he wants from it. And I don't know. I feel like he's kind of dropping back a bit, whereas Alonso's still going, still fighting. Yeah. But do you think that could have been really? It seems like Aston Martin are the the most underperforming team. I think relative to budget, and you know the fact that obviously Lawrence Stroll's net worth is like. 60 70 billion or something he's happy to pour as that you know put pour as much of that into the team as he wants but it, it doesn't really seem like they're getting much return on investment from that at the moment and it could be that you know sebastian vettel he's still a four-time world champion he's still you know a lot of teams would be happy to to take him and, and the aston martin contract offer must have kind of said in it look we're going to provide you with some sort of high-performing car and, and they haven't at the moment so I don't know. It could be, yeah. If it would be unfortunate if that was the end of the story, but it, but it might be right. But I think even with back to teammate dynamic, I think you need a teammate that's gonna really push it. And I think Ocon is doing a really good job at pushing Alonso. Hundred percent. Ocon is brilliant. I, I think he's he's um yeah consistently shown his class um in the last few years, definitely. So I think them as a dynamic on track are great they push each other really well whereas I think Lance Stroll is not really not even in the same field as yeah it, it's got the, like a, every, everything he does has a little asterisk on it and it's not really like he's he's not under the same pressure as the other young drivers and and I think you see that in his performances definitely and then when you put him beside a driver like Sebastian Vettel it's like you can't even compare them so he I think he might need someone to just push him that little bit further that's close to home in his own team Absolutely. And one last topic I wanted to touch on uh, in the interview was the way you guys manage your kind of online presences. You spoke about, you know, it was just a, a question you kind of asked to people on Instagram, the way you first connected with Sophie, at least in the context of the podcast. When you look to creating online content beyond just your podcast, how do you how do you approach that? And, and what makes a good uh, a good bit of online content for you? How does it fit in with your your kind of vision for being an F1 content creator. Like you put, you were on it well before me. Yeah. You were 
like middle of last year was it I only started kind of December starting kind of posting especially mainly TikTok I was never for it I didn't want to Abby had to convince me I I didn't even want to post a TikTok I was embarrassed I was like no I was like I can't do it and then once you kind of get into the habit of it, it gets addictive. It is very addictive, yeah. But you, Abby definitely pushed me to do it because I wasn't comfortable at first, whereas... And that's kind of always what I wanted to do. I always yeah. wanted to be a content creator. That's, so it's kind of it's kind of always on the hunt for new things to make and new things to post or whatever. And then when I got into Formula One, I found that there was a small community, even last year at the time, it was very small on TikTok and the TikTok algorithm is great. It, it may, helps you find people literally exactly the same as you. So when I did start posting, I found people that were similar to me and interacting with other accounts and I don't know, using sounds that everyone is using on TikTok and making them like manipulating them. So they involve Formula One. It's, it's easy enough now. I find it was difficult at the start though, but I think I'm doing okay. <laughs> yeah, though, you, she definitely influenced me because I was not here for it at all. <laughs> And a few people, we've, we've met a few people like in outside life. One of the first times we went out, someone came up to us and asked us, were we from the Paddock Princesses podcast? And oh, really? Wow. Yeah, they were like, you posted about F1, don't you? I was like, oh my God, how do you know that? I forget we have TikToks yeah. and stuff. It's so weird when people come up to you like, oh my God, you like F1. And they know you and you're like, I don't know who you yeah. are. How do you know who I am? I think I, I can, well, I can relate to that in a way because... Um, with the the YouTube channel, the first kind of the first interviews I really started doing with people, where you know people would organically just be searching for whatever it is interviews with, like the guy that commentates IndyCar on Sky, or obviously the, the episode with Jonathan Wheatley was a huge one. You start to yeah, people you know people like YouTube gives you this breakdown of like all the different countries that people are watching your videos from, and I'm like, what what are people doing in Thailand watching my show? Like it was just crazy. But then I thought about it, and it's because it's because we made a video about Alex Album. So because he's British Thai, these little fan communities in Thailand were, and it was just it was a weird kind of thing to get over. But I, I need to up my TikTok game because at the moment all I do is I just take clips of the podcast and then like just put like a little title at the top. But I'm not using any of the sounds, so I don't get any of the like algorithm help. I'm just using like you know my own sound in it, and I get I've, I've had you know a few that have maybe got like one, one and a half, two thousand views. But it's I don't know, it's nothing compared to you guys. So I need to I need to up my game. TikTok is great for promotion. It is. If you if you get it right, oh my god, it's ridiculous. And if you get your hashtags right, I copy and paste the same hashtags oh, so on all of my videos in the same order and everything, so I kind of know what the algorithm is going to give me. I'm going to copy your hashtags now because I'm clearly that's what I'm that's what I'm missing. What else have we got to talk about? I'm not sure. I guess with with Spain coming up, we spoke a lot earlier about um you know the kind of general headlines going into it. Could we see a, a victory that isn't Verstappen or, or Leclerc? That's what the season needs. I feel like is you can't just have two two guys and then sometimes the second drivers winning races. For Carlos Sainz, we spoke about an opportunity to turn his season around. Spanish Grand Prix. There it is. In my opinion, I think I think he'll be looking to make a statement there, and it would be a big one to do it in front of his home crowd. He'll definitely want it more than anybody else wants it, for sure. I feel like with a track like Spain, I don't, I'm not expecting. No. It's a kind of like be any different. Yeah, I feel like it's gonna be the predictable Max or um Charles. Maybe signs. I mean, I'll take it. But again, he's in a Ferrari, so it's not. That unrealistic. Yeah. 
Whereas, but I do think there will be times during the season where we get like, oh God, last year, that was mad. I yeah. feel like we will have races like that, but I don't think it'll be as often. It won't be this week. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll be staying. And as we look to the, the rest of this year's Formula One calendar, beyond obviously Monaco Abbey for you, I'm sure stands out as, as a date, but where else is is kind of standing out to you as, as, as the events that are going to be important this year? Every race, you know, is worth the same amount of points. Obviously, that's not a, a new thing. And, and to the drivers and the teams, they look at every race as, as an opportunity to maximize their points. But there's always a few that stand out more, right? So for, for you guys, is it just going to be those, you know, your, your, your favorite tracks? Or, or do you think, do, do we have any new tracks coming up this year? Well, there's Qatar, right? But we had Qatar last year. In Singapore. Um, that was yeah, Sing- Singapore's back. Japan is back i'm I'm looking forward to japan i really like the uh, suzuka track i think it's a special track and and more it's difficult you know it's a it's like imola it's a proper you're off you're off it's not bahrain you know what stands out for you guys as we look to the rest of the uh the formula one season the one that, and the one that instantly pops into my brain is far oh well that's it's always a yeah good track and last year we also didn't get one so it was... i think monza though i feel like the past three years it's always you'd never know it's very you go yeah. into the race thinking you know like That's who's gonna win ones, yeah, for sure. it's unexpected you i think yeah. Monza, cool. it's the one. i feel like Monza, it's all to play for for definitely. anyone yeah definitely and then i suppose spa is the same spa, yeah. it's unpredictable you very. don't know what's gonna happen and i'd love to touch on just before we finish up the the you know since you guys have got more invested in in formula one the fan community have you found much of a, an influence of kind of an, an Irish F1 fan community or is it just it's so different to, to the way it's kind of celebrated in, in the UK and I guess the way it's kind of changing in America now? Has the expansion of F1 met Ireland yet, got, you know, got over to, to, to Ireland yet? People growing, you know, the sport year on year, even in the last few years. What have you seen? I've seen it in mostly younger, like teenage yeah. girls, honestly. That's who I've seen most of. Like, I think my percentage of people that follow me on TikTok are from Ireland is like six or seven. Yeah, I'm the same. And then it's mostly like Australia, the Netherlands, the United Kingdom, stuff like that. But I think the main influence I've seen F1 has had has been on girls in Ireland than I, rather than anything else. And it's always such a shock as well. Like, I post something and it's like, oh, my God, like another Irish, like F1 fan. Like, it's such a shock. You can Everyone's tell we're few and far between. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's not like, whereas I feel like in the UK, there's so many. Everywhere so you not, go, so They think likes we it, yeah. are British. Like, yeah. That's why they just assume you're British or you're American. So when you find out you're Irish, it's such a surprise. Yeah. Because we're not. There's not a lot of us. No. No. I'm half British, half American. So I'm, you know, I'm right right down the middle and we, we we cover you know we cover american motorsport on the show as well so we i try and stay in as many categories as possible but i think it's really nice you touched on the you know we spoke earlier about how f1 at times can be quite a negative community everyone fans are quite weird and, and unique and there, there are downsides to that um but there's a massive upside to, to the the you know getting into that community you guys said connecting with with other girls that like f1 and, and kind of building that community for yourselves now and, and with your show it's much more kind of taking ownership of, of your own community how rewarding is it to to kind of go down that path and, and to really now you start to see some some real engagement there i think the biggest engagement will be from the girls like i feel yeah. like the girls are very supportive like if you see another 
say F1 TikTok and it's a girl or even in your comments they're so supportive they're yeah. happy to see there's more of you yeah the main negativity would be from boys realistically boys, yeah. do you, you don't understand it they think like we said earlier it's just for the driver, you like it for or... a specific reason whereas yeah. I feel like the girls understand it more yeah. so meeting other girls like that like that's a we met we yeah. met you Formula One yeah you had it on your phone accidentally one night yeah yeah she had I seen she had like an F1 account up and I was like oh my god you were like F1 and since then that's how we became yeah. friends yeah so that is such a good upside I feel like mainly from the female um content creators especially or even seeing people that don't necessarily create content. I get DMs from girls all the time on mm. Instagram saying that they, they love Formula 1, but they don't like talking about it. And then all of a sudden you see them posting about it on their story. And it's like, well, if they see me doing it and they think they can do it, then why, we can all do it. Of course yeah. we can. It's, it is very rewarding when you see people being able to talk about what they want to talk about just because you do it. Absolutely. And and that's, again, you know, one of the other reasons I, I feel like your your show is is great and why I feel like it, you know, it has a real path to, to kind of take off and, and, you know, really encourage people to go check out the Paddock Princesses podcast. So I think with that, we can wrap up this episode and I'll say a very, very big thank you from me, Abby and Sophie uh, for coming on the show. I think it's been a really, really cool episode. Um, and yeah, check out the Paddock Princesses podcast. Thanks for having thank us. Thank you so much.